Would you put your hands together and welcome our good brother and friend, Kyle Reed, as he comes to minister the truth. I, uh, I just, I just want to say, man, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I, I love sharing what the Lord has been building in my heart and in my life. And, uh, while preparing for this, it, uh, it really just like really opened my eyes to some things in my own life and, uh, you know, where I was, where I, where I've been, all the things that I've walked through and, and more importantly, where, where God wants to take me. So I just want to, uh, I just want to share that with you. So, uh, <clears throat> I want to give a recap of, uh, where the Lord has been and, and has had us as, as a body. Um, our last, our last series that the Lord had us in was the centrality of Jesus. And, uh, centrality is Jesus is the foundation of everything. And everything was and is centered and built upon Him. So, uh, I also looked up some synonyms of centrality because I just wanted to have a better understanding of what that word is. Importance. So it's the importance of Jesus, the supremacy of Jesus, the magnitude of Jesus, the impact of Jesus, weight, gravity, impressiveness, remarkableness, distinction, merit, significance, seriousness, relevance, unforgettableness, consideration, and I swear to you, that is an autocorrect. He was anything but usual. It was unusual. <laughs> Unusualness of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is the, my, my wife puts these slides together for the church, and this is the first time in 13 years she hadn't questioned me. <laughs> she, she took it, pasted, boom, there it was. <laughs> Thanks anyways. I appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't. So having the understanding that Jesus is all of those things uh, has brought us into our new series of embracing the kingdom culture. Uh, the last few weeks, uh, Steve has touched on a few of these topics. Number one was our new creation identity, the power of the Holy Spirit, lordship of Jesus in every area of our lives, health and healing, and staying immersed in God's presence. Uh, I'll be honest with you, last week, Steve, uh, Steve danced all over my notes <laughs> for, you know, what I felt like the Lord was laying on my heart um, for this week, but, you know, it's okay. Maybe, maybe something needs to be said and heard twice, so, so here we go. Uh, this week, we're talking, the kingdom is a life to be lived in the here and now, not just the hereafter. Right. So, uh, in my seeking of understanding of, of what a kingdom culture looks like, what I found myself really searching for was purpose. And for me, being able to accept a culture, um, it's much, much easier if I have an understanding of why, right? So I, I literally was that kid that I don't care what it was. If it worked, I wanted to crack it open and find out why. And probably about 50% of the time it worked after, after I opened it all up. Um, 
Um, so, so in my searching of why, I, I, I went back to the very beginning. I'm talking Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created, right? So all throughout Genesis 1, uh, we see God creating. He created the light, the sky, land, vegetation, the moon, the sun. He made night and he made day. Then he filled the oceans with fish. Then he, then all of the animals on the earth. And finally, he created human beings. So do you see what he did there? Is he prepared everything that we needed to live on earth before he made us. He provided the supply before the demand. So, excuse me. In my everyday uh, business that I work in, we thrive on supply and demand. And I, I, I want you to believe me that when the supply does not keep up with the demand, it's all out chaos. <laughs> right, boss? <laughs> yeah, this is my, my, my supervisor, Robert. Thank you for being here. Um, but, but literally, it is all out chaos. And all I'm going to say is that maybe God knew what he was doing when he supplied before the demand. Yeah. So God was our supply then, and he's our supply now. Absolutely nothing has changed, but I promise I'll get back to that here in just a few minutes. But I want to stay in Genesis for just a second. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all of the animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in our image. So the first thing I see in purpose is, purpose is, is for us to be like Him. To reign and rule over the earth. Not other people, but over the earth. In perfect harmony with His will. It's easy. We are special. Human beings are special. He didn't create any other creature in His own image. Just us being created in the image of himself. So in chapter 2, uh, we, we read that God begins to teach and instruct Adam and Eve how to live and how to care for all that he created for them. God literally walked with them and he talked with them and he taught them and what he was doing was building a relationship with them. I completely believe that that's what we were created for. We were created for him, right? In his own image. God wanted human beings for himself. Like, he created everything for us, he applied us, created us, and then walked with us. Well... Of course, we all know what happens in chapter 3. It's the great fall of man, uh, the, the separation between them and God. And you know what? Even though God kicked them out of the garden and life got really, really tough for them, the Bible, our word from the cover 
to cover is his story of him chasing after the human heart. He still desires to have a relationship with us. His story is not finished and it is still being written today in and through you and me. Although the world at times, okay, often doesn't, doesn't look like what we think God created it to be like, doesn't mean that he still isn't present and he's still seeking our hearts and he's ready to invade us the very moment that we are willing to say yes to him. It's all perspective. I want to read Romans 12, 1. He goes, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a holy, a living and holy sacrifice. The king will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. <clears throat> so what sticks out to me in, in this verse is, is the word transformed. Or be transformed, depending on which version of the of the Bible you read. But um, it's actually a Greek word. I'm sorry, that's that's my that's my mistake again. But the word here is metamorpho. Metamorpho. Whatever that word Yeah, I can't say it, but I can tell you what it means. It means to literally to transform. And its usage in this passage is to change after being with. <laughs> so, wow. So what does it look like in 2021 to be transformed? It means that even though it's thousands of years later, that we can still be transformed. Transformed back to our original design, back to our original purpose, and to have a relationship with him. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one as they are one and that we all would be one, right? That's his prayer for us is to be one with them, with each other and them. It Being transformed literally is about what Jesus is doing in the here and now. So Mark 1, 14, 15 says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So a few verses before this, John the Baptist had actually said almost the exact same thing, except he says, repent, uh, excuse me, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. We'll introduce Jesus to the scene, and it's here. It is at hand. So what Jesus is communicating here is that the kingdom of heaven, of God, is here right now. So the Greek word for time that is used in this, in this passage is kairos, right? So kairos is at this moment, in the moment, right? Not a timeline, not from point A to point B, that, you know, our timeline, that word is chronos. But here he's, he's literally using 
kairos, which means at this very moment, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, is at hand. So when we pair the time is fulfilled, that kairos moment, with Romans 12, 1, 2, it literally becomes life-changing. Let them be, right, present tense, a living present tense, here and now, a holy sacrifice. And then we don't copy in the present time. We don't copy the customs and and behaviors of the world. Mm. Being a living sacrifice in today's world means the same thing it did back then. It means that we lay down our lives, our wants, our thoughts, our time, our money, and we seek the Father's will for us. And we seek the Father's will for the people around us. Being transformed means that we no longer look like the world. We exchange our old habits, our language, our thought processes, our attitudes for the Father's. Our old culture or way of living starts to look like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 It says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So, some people would argue that, yeah, I hear you. But I still struggle. I still struggle with sin. I still go through things. My life still feels like, you know, garbage at times. And uh, I want you to say, I just want to say, okay. Like, it really is okay. Right? When we're born again, we're born again in spirit. Our spirit is birthed perfectly. And Jesus explained that in chapter 3. Um, he was asked, like, how can we re-enter our mother's womb? And I can imagine the look on his face, right? <laughs> but 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 his his response was flesh births flesh, spirit births spirit. So it is a new birth in spirit. Our goal as human beings is to get what's been done on the inside expressed outwardly. Inward transformation, outward expression, right? So I believe that there are many of scriptures that will support the case that God is invading our lives each and every day and many moments throughout those days, which is great news for me because I get lots of do-overs. To experience real transformation is to allow him to change our minds Right? That was the other scripture. To change our minds about ourselves and our situations in life. And to interact with him daily and participate in the story that's being written. This is Matthew 25, 31. He says, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. 
and all nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats to his left. So what Jesus is, is doing here is he's separating people into sheep and goats, two different categories. And then uh, verses 34 and 36 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you clothed me or you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you and you visited me. So while I understand that Jesus is foretelling of a future inheritance of the kingdom of God. He is also trying to, to get those around him to understand how they should be living then, here, and now in preparation for then. So then in verse 37 and 38, uh, the sheep wondered and asked him, when did we do these things for you? And he answered them. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, that when you did it to one of the least of these, my dear brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Yeah. So can you guess where the goats went wrong? And the king will answer, I tell you the truth, that when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing me. Listen, goats did not embrace or do not embrace the kingdom culture that Jesus is trying to establish here in the natural realm. They're more concerned about their own little worlds. And I, <laughs> I imagine he might have even been talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the day. You know, they were too concerned about their religion and their own rightness <laughs> to see the face of God. In Jesus, right? And his will for all people. The sheep, however, do embrace the kingdom. They fed the clothed, or fed and clothed the poor, cared for the widows, nursed the sick, offered their homes to homeless, visited prison, and introduced people to Jesus. Embracing the kingdom means seeking his will for our lives. Short of all the details, it's about being transformed in him, with him, and adopting his culture, a new way of living in the here and now. It means becoming an agent of change in the world around us. It really is being transformed like it really is it's so easy it's just allowing him to invade our lives and allowing him to transform us into something different so second corinthians five twenty says that we are christ ambassadors god is making his appeal through us and that we speak for christ when we plead come back to god come back to your original intended purpose The kingdom of God is not just a destination in time. It's alive and present and all around us here and now. 
It's not just our final destination. It is here. We've arrived. <laughs> right? The evidence is all around us. Man, what happened up here on the stage and down here and, and the reports of healing? Like, the, and, 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 and men coming together. Not just because we're men, but because we're men and we're, we're believers and we come together and we worship together, we pray together and we allow Him to speak to us and then when He speaks to us, we take it and we express it to everybody else. Like that is the kingdom of God being lived out here and now, right? <clears throat> so in my, uh, in my former church life, <laughs> stop it. We used to have these uh, these tracks, right? They were just little paper booklets, and you could you could take them and you could pass them out at restaurants or leave them in the bathroom. I never did that, but they they were they were literally we could just take them and hand them out to people, right? And uh, in these uh, in these tracks, there was always one theme and one question. And it was, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Listen, while that is an extremely relevant question, and there was some really good information in those tracks, um, (laughs) that's not the only purpose for Jesus. That is not the only purpose for Jesus. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's not talking about you can have life some other day. Eventually you can have life. He's talking about you can have life right now. That's why he came. (laughs) He came to bring kingdom living the heavenly realms to the earthly realms. Man, I so wish that those tracks would have said like, hey, we want you to go to heaven and all, but how would you like to live a life now in a relationship with your creator? Like, like how, how much more of an impact could that have been? Jesus didn't come to save us save us so that we can eventually be together. No, he saves us now so that we can have him now. He came to restore us to our original design so that we can have a relationship with our creator in the here and now. Little illustration. So it's like a, a venomous snake I see in the yard headed towards my child. And, uh, there's an almost certain death pending and I run over and I snatch her up at the very last moment and I take her over here and I save her and I tell her that, hey, someday you will be able to live a good and normal life. But for now, I just want you to play dead. Right? It's dumb. I would never do that. So too often I've heard people tell people, tell others to put their faith in Jesus for their salvation and then focus on heaven as their final destination. I love heaven. I love the appeal of heaven. Uh, Yeah, it will be great. The thoughts of heaven have been very comforting to me in the dark hours of my life. And I know that someday on my last day, 
then when I close my eyes to this world, I'm going to open my eyes to another world in the loving arms of Jesus. The thoughts of heaven should assist us and sustain us through the dark times of our life, but it shouldn't be the focus of the gospel. The focus of the gospel should be of, of Jesus and what he has done, is doing, and will do here on earth now. Did Jesus say, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest someday? No, he says, I'll give you rest, period. Period. Living the kingdom life in the here and now is allowing Jesus to evade our lives in the here and now. So I don't know about you. It's a crazy concept, but my eternal life started when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was nine years old. From that moment, I will never experience death. And thankfully, it's being reinforced every single day as I learn to allow him to be Lord in different areas of my life. Believe me, I have failed a lot. But what we see as failures, our Father sees as opportunities to become Lord. So just a few more scriptures. I want, to, I want us to look at the Sermon on the Mount. This is, uh, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountains and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but I will give you uh, a snapshot of the verses and, and some of my synopsis. But uh, verse, verse 3 is the Beatitudes. It's the blessed are those who. Blessed are those who are poor in the spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Uh, and the list goes on. Uh, verse 13, it says, be the salt of the earth and light of the world. Verse 17, Jesus fulfills the law. 21, murder. Don't do it. <laughs> Adultery, not a good idea. Divorce, some, there's, there's, there's acceptable reasons. Oaths, in verse 30, 33, he says a simple yes or no will suffice. Verse 38, an eye for an eye, take one on the other cheek. Verse 43, he says to love your enemies. Uh, verse 6, or chapter 6, 1, he says give to the needy. Five, this is how to pray. Verse 16 is fasting. Verse 19, treasure stored in heaven. 25, do not worry. Chapter 7, verse 1, it says, it talks about judging others. Verse 7, ask, seek, knock. Uh, verse 13, it says, take the narrow gate. Uh, verse 15, true and false prophets. 21, true and false disciples. 24, wise and foolish builders. Jesus was teaching them a new culture, the kingdom culture. Six times in this scripture, in these scriptures, he said, you have heard it like this, but I say this, right? <laughs> Listen, old culture, new culture, old way of thinking, new way of thinking, old way of living, new way of living. He was teaching them how to live in the here and now. Not in heaven. In heaven there won't be any worry. 
No murder, no adultery, no judging. Nobody's going to be judging you. We won't have any enemies. No one will be needy. And assuredly, we will be with the foundation. The centrality, remember? So back to what I said earlier about God being our supply. Thankfully, we don't have to walk this out on our own. Thankfully, we don't have to rely on ourselves to produce the culture that he wants us to live by. Second Peter 1, 3, and 4, it says, By his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living, present tense, a godly life. We have received, have received, past tense, all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself. That is transformation and restoration. By means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So Paul was not talking about an afterlife here. He's talking about the here and the now. Hey, Stephen, you guys can come. The words kingdom of heaven is used between 29 and 32 times, depending on which version of the Bible you read, in Matthew alone. And then it's changed to kingdom of God after Matthew. And, and I have a theory of why, but it's a whole other sermon. Say that again, how many times? Between 29 and 32 in Matthew. And then it's changed to kingdom of God throughout the rest of the, of the New Testament, and it's used over 80 times. I think... That God is trying to tell us something, right? It is somewhat important. Yeah, will you, will you stand with me? Colossians 1, 13 and 14, it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of of his dear son who purchased us our freedom and forgave our sins listen our past has been redeemed our future is secure and today is an opportunity for each and every one of us to grow up and embrace the kingdom culture that Jesus brought down to us and as a parent ought to provide safety and knowledge to a child God supplies all that we need, including the ability to rise above our circumstances. We no longer have to be victim to our circumstances and life garbage. We avail ourselves at our kingdom citizenship and all of its blessings, its rights, and all of its benefits to us. Kingdom living in the here and now does not sit back weakly in submission and defeat. Kingdom living moves forward with confidence in wisdom and power and boldness under the authority of Jesus Christ. So with that said, there is a step one, right? So I would just ask if if there's anybody here today that has not accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, 
and you have heard his voice calling to you and you would like to respond to him and accept his offer of a new way of living would you just be bold and raise your hand anyone Father God, I, man, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for loving us beyond what we deserve. God, thank you for allowing us to participate in all that you created this world to be, God. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus and allowing us to have a second chance. be in a relationship with you, Father. Father, we believe you and we know that you desire, you desire us. You created all of this for us and you to be together. God, I pray that as we walk out of here today, God, that every single one of us walks out of here with the mindset that we're not walking into worldly circumstances. We're taking our kingdom culture into the world in circumstances, and we're here to change that. We walk the living kingdom out in our lives, Father. The day by day we can see our areas in our life that we haven't given up to you, Father. We, we, we cast off our old culture and we gain a new way of living. You're an awesome God and we love you and we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your promises and we thank you for being faithful to our promises. Amen. Got anything you want to add Amen. or fix? Yeah. Wasn't that good? <laughs> Man, that was so good. Thank you. I got nothing to fix. That was perfect. You know, I was reminded when you threw up uh, this slide right here on Matthew 5, 3, and he starts the Beatitudes. Did you notice every one of them is blessed are, but not blessed will you be one day. Blessed are you now because heaven is yours now. You can live in the reality of the culture of the kingdom of God. All these attitudes allow you to possess those blessings in the present tense. I had forgotten about that till you threw that up there. Blessed are you now. Heaven is yours now. So anyway, are we blessed? All right, let's go have a great day. Thank you guys. Thank you, Kyle. That was great. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.